good to be in the house of God this morning, amen? amen? You know what? We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we, church? Amen. Psalm 103 puts it this way. Uh, in verse number one, the Bible says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Hey, we got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? We are a blessed people. And you know what? I believe with all my heart that Christians ought to be a people who intentionally cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Psalm 92 and verse number one, the Bible says this, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O most High. Psalm 9, 105 in verse number 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. So you know what? When we stop and we ask, what are you thankful for? What has God done in your heart? What has God done in your life? You know what we're just doing? We're just doing what the Bible says. We're just doing what we ought to do. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Psalm 107 in verse number 1 says this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is, what is it, church? He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. 1 Thessalonians 5 in verse number 18, In case we were unclear, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. You know what I find though? And this is what I'm encouraged by. A thankful heart really is a little piece of heaven on earth. Because do you know what we find believers in heaven doing in the Bible? Go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 11 and verse number 17. These are the folks in heaven saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and is to come because thou hast taken to thee great power and hast reigned. So when you and I learn to cultivate the attitude of gratitude here on earth, you know what we're doing? We're learning to cultivate a little piece of heaven here on earth. In the book of James, James reminds us that God is good. In James 1, in verse number 17, the Bible says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Reminds this church, God is good, amen? amen. That God is only good, amen? amen? That God is always good, amen? amen? Life is hard, but God is good. And you and I, we can always give thanks and even rejoice because God is with us in the hard. And God is working through the hard. For our good. Therefore we see God's people. Should be a thankful people. This morning from James chapter 1. I want to consider something. That maybe didn't always make the list. When we list the things we're thankful for. Our salvation. Our family. Our friends. We thank the Lord for our health. And maybe for our home or our vehicles. We thank the Lord for opportunities. And this and that. But this morning I want to thank him. And look at being thankful for something. That, that we know is, is, is a blessing. But may not always make the list. I want us to consider something. That really is essential to every aspect of my life. And that is. Being thankful. For the Bible. Thankful for God's word. Would you look with me this morning, James 1, let's begin in verse number 18. There the Bible says, Of his own will begat he us with the 
word of truth. We should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Can I point out first of all this morning that I am thankful for the Bible because God's word is the catalyst of my faith. I am thankful for the Bible because God's word is the catalyst of my faith. Common misconception, we didn't choose to come to God. God started this whole thing when he chose to reveal himself to us. Without this, ladies and gentlemen, I really don't know much of anything about God. I don't know much of anything about his love. I don't know much of anything about his grace, about his salvation. And the word of God, the Bible teaches, is the instrument that the Holy Spirit uses to convict us of our sin and to call us to the Savior. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse number 23, we see this. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the, what is it church? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You see, I can learn about the glory of God from the world around me. Psalm 19.1 puts it this way. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. I tell you, you ever been outside and looked up at the night sky? You ever been on the top of a mountain and just looked out over God's creation? You ever been to the ocean or the shore and just, just marveled at the beautiful things that God has done? I can remember a couple of nights ago, Timothy wasn't sleeping or something. And so I was up, we were all up and it was, it was, it was, it, it is what it is. Amen. And so uh, I, I decided, eh, it's about four 30. I'm going to go for a walk slash jog. And so I go down to the park and, and I have forgotten that that was the morning of the big lunar eclipse. And so I got out there. And I'm like, boy, that moon looks kind of funny. And I watched as the shadow crept over the moon and the moon turned red. And I, I just, sometimes I stopped walking and running and just stood there and looked at it. I was like, wow, I marveled at the beauty of creation, the magnificence of what God has ordained. By the way, the fact that creation exists in such a, uh, life exists in such a tight, uh, such a tight, neat window, no explosion could create the beauty that you see. Heavens declare the glory of God. I can learn of God's glory by looking at creation around me. In fact, in Romans, it teaches that from, from creation that if I really stop and take stock of, of what God has done, I can't deny the fact that God is. The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, I can learn of God's glory through creation around me. But I can only learn of God's grace from his word to me. Paul says in Romans 10, so then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You see, I can't look at the sun and moon and learn of God's grace. I can't look at the stars and learn of a Savior who died on a cross for my sins. I can't look across the ocean and, and learn of the fact that three days later, He got up out of that grave and rose again. I can't look at the animals and plants and 
learned that he loves me so much that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can only learn of that through God's word. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I'm thankful for God's word because it teaches me the gospel. It teaches me that I am a sinner and that my sin has separated me from God. And there is nothing that I can do to bridge that divide. But the Bible teaches me that that God loves me so much that since I couldn't go to him, he came to me. That he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm thankful for God's word that teaches me that though the wage, the penalty, that the consequence of my sin is death, that Jesus died on a cross that I might have his life. I'm thankful for God's word, again, that teaches me that Jesus got up out of that grave and that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful for God's word because it teaches me that Jesus came To reverse the curse. I I see. I see what sin has done in my life. And I see what sin has done in this world. And I know it's not what God intended. I know it's not what God wants. I know it's not what should be. But I'm so thankful that though my life is broken. And this world is broken. Jesus came to redeem and to restore. That I might be born again. Because he takes that which is broken. And he makes it beautiful again by his blood. Thankful for God's word. Because it is the catalyst of my faith. And it teaches me of salvation. Thankful for the Bible and the faith that it produces in my heart. I'm thankful for the Bible. Because it teaches me the significance of my faith. In verse number 18 it talks about that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, when we receive the word by faith, the Bible says that we are born or begat into the family of God. And the first fruits here, they're important because we might not really understand it and all of what it means, but understand this. The first fruits belong to God. They were special to Him. And so the Bible teaches the faith that that has worked in my heart when I receive God's word by faith and I am born into the family of God that I'm something special because I belong to to him. Supernatural birth brings with it spiritual belonging. I belong to God. I am a child of the king. John 1 in verse number 12 reminds us this. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. I'm a child of the king. And I'm thankful I got the legal documentation to prove it. Hey, I'm thankful for the Bible. Because it is the catalyst of my faith. That's not all James teaches us about God's word. You want to look a little bit further this morning? Verse number 19, it says this. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness 
and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I'm thankful for the word of God, number one, because it is the catalyst of my faith. I'm thankful for the word of God, number two, because it provides the criteria for my framework. You see, in verse number 19, it begins here with the word wherefore. Now, a student of the Bible knows that whenever I see the word wherefore or therefore, I need to do something. I need to go back a little bit to find out what the wherefore is therefore. What the Bible is saying here, what James is teaching, is since God's word is sufficient for eternity, verse number 18, to birth you into the family of God, since God's word is sufficient for eternity, then God's word is sufficient for each day. In verse number 21, when it references able to save your souls, it's referring to the present work of saving grace. See, when we talk about salvation, we can look at a couple of different facets. You see, when I received the Lord Jesus as my Savior, I was saved, past tense, from the penalty of sin. I no longer abide under the wrath of God. But in the present, God's saving grace is still at work. I was saved, past tense, from the penalty of sin, and I am being saved, present tense, from the power of sin. You see, I no longer have to yield myself as a servant to sin. I am no longer a child of the devil. I am no longer a slave of sin. I'm a child of the king. And God's saving grace in my life gives me the choice to choose to live like it every day. One day in the future, I'm going to be saved from the very presence of sin. And there in heaven, there will be no more sin. And it will be gone forever more And so we see here God's word, it is, it is sufficient for eternity, verse number 18. Therefore, it is sufficient for each day. And I'm thankful that the Bible teaches me how to live life each day. Doesn't just save me and say, good luck, bud, and send me on my way. It teaches me how to live each day. Provides a framework for how I live my life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, that's what's right. For reproof, that teaches us what's wrong. For correction, that teaches us how to get right. For instruction in righteousness, that teaches us how to stay right. And so God gives us all of this. Why? Verse number 17. That the man of God, the woman of God may be perfect. That that we might be mature. That we might be complete. Truly furnished or totally equipped unto all good works. You see, the Bible is what I need to know how to live each day. So what do I need here? Well, verses 19 through 21, it reminds me that I need to be positioned to hear. We live in the age of the comment section. Just think about it. We don't live in the age of conversation We don't even live in the age of debate. We live in the age of the comment section. 
Everyone is talking. Everyone has their opinion. Everyone, it seems, has found a megaphone. Now, if you want an opinion, you can get one. If you want somebody to agree with your opinion, guess what? You can get one. But here's the problem. Everyone is talking, but nobody's listening. Nobody is listening. Wherefore, verse number 19, let every man be quick to, swift to hear, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. How many of us realize, even by looking at our culture, that quick to speak and quick to wrath go hand in hand? The problem is, church, everyone is talking, but no one is listening. Why is that a problem? That's a problem because God has spoken. God has spoken. If I might put swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. If I might put that in our modern vernacular, I would say something like this. I have to get over myself, shut my mouth, and show up ready to hear and heed what God has said. I got to get over myself, zip my lips, and show up ready to hear and heed what God has said. It's like the old adage grandma used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. I remind us this morning, church, it's not enough just to be present. It's not enough just to be present. You know what? Sometimes I'm present in the room when my wife gives instructions. But it's not enough just to be present. i got to be tuned in. I have the privilege of teaching algebra in the Christian school. And I'm going to tell you, our students have a tremendous track record of showing up to class like they're supposed to. But they've learned, showing up isn't enough. You've got to be tuned in to what's being said. Jesus admonishes us, and, and I want us to look at this. Jesus admonished us not just to, to be careful, not just what we hear, but how we hear. In Luke 8 and verse number 18, I want you to see the words of Jesus. He says, take heed therefore. What are those next three words, church? How ye hear. Not just what you hear, not just if you hear, but take heed how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given and Whomsoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that which he seemeth to have. In other words, if I'm not willing to tune in, if I'm not actively receiving the light God wants to give me, then what's happening? Whether I realize it or not, I'm actively receiving greater darkness. we got to be careful not just what we hear, not just if we hear, but how we hear. Let me ask you, do we come to God's word ready to learn? Do we come to God's word ready to change? 
Some of you, I've been saved for 60 years. I don't care. Have you come to God's word today ready to change? I shouldn't say I don't care. I mean, that's. But have you come today ready to learn? Have you come today ready to change? Have you come today ready to draw closer to God? Have you come today ready to hear from God? I'm going to tell you, church, I'm thankful we have the word of God. And it teaches us how to live in this world. The glorious truth is if you want to know, you can know. God's word is sufficient, not just for eternity, but for every single day of our lives. 2 Peter 1 and verse number 3 reminds us that he's given us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have what we need. Psalm 119, 105 reminds us that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I don't know what to do. Turn on the lamp. James 1 and verse number 5, James says this. James chapter 1 and verse number 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally or generously, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I'm going to tell you the glorious thing about what God has given is that if you want to know how to live and you want to know how to handle things and you want to know how to handle difficulty, you can know. You can know. You can know what God wants you to do with your faith. How God wants you to come to church and be engaged in church. You can know how how God wants you to be saved. You can know how God wants your family to operate. You can know how God wants your finances to operate. You can know how God wants you to handle fun. You can know how God wants you to handle friends. You can know how God wants you to handle it when things go bad. You can know. You can know. Because God's word is sufficient. It provides a criteria for the framework in which I live my life. I don't have to wonder. I can know. Jesus said this phrase, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. If you study the Bible, Jesus says this, I found it interesting, 15 times. He says it seven times when he's here on earth. He says an additional eight times from heaven in the book of Revelation. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Why? Because God has spoken. The problem is everybody's talking and nobody's listening. And so I've got to be positioned to hear. I've also got to have a passion to hunger. In verse number 21, it talks about laying apart filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Filthiness means the dirt, the filth, the impurity of my life. The superfluity of naughtiness means that overflowing wickedness has the idea of sin just kind of oozing out. Here's the thing. If you are intent on staying dirty, you won't hear. It's like spiritual earwax. Huh? I didn't hear. I don't get it. What they say? If you're intent on staying dirty, you won't hear. Jesus described the situation this way, Matthew 13. He said this, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. 
Let's at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should hear them. Those who are intent on staying dirty will not hear. I want you to notice the order here, church. The order in verse number 21 is to wherefore lay apart and then receive. Lay apart and then receive. Lay apart and then receive. Now this is not salvation. Salvation we receive by faith. But I'm going to tell you, for those of us who know the Lord, sometimes we got to take a look at our lives and get that spiritual earwax cleaned out so we can hear the Holy Spirit a little better. Because multiple things, especially conflicting things, cannot inhabit the same space. As Hebrews says, we have to lay apart the sin that does easily beset us. We've got to get passionate about wanting God's word. Get hungry for God's truth. Get zealous about getting sin out so that we can get scripture in. You know, the Bible never once just floated into my hand. The Bible never once just floated into my heart. Christians, I'm talking to you this morning, those of you who know the Lord. You've got to intentionally cultivate that appetite. Brother Charles, you got ordained Sunday night, Monday morning. Did you awake with a glowing Bible open to the proverb of the day on your chest? It didn't didn't happen for you? Then maybe it didn't stick. Maybe we got to do it again. I mean, it doesn't happen for any of us. It doesn't happen for any of us. We've got to be intentional. We've got to be intentional to develop a hunger for God's word. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm going to tell you, it provides the criteria for the framework to live our lives, but even the best doctor in the world can't do a thing for a bad patient. I had a lot of conversations with diabetics as they had their sugar coffee in one hand and their donut in the other. Not a doctor in the world that can help that. I'm going to tell you, the answers are here. But if we're not willing and wanting to receive them, this book's not going to force itself on us. But you know what? I'm thankful for the Bible. And the fact that it provides a framework for my life. I don't have to wonder how I ought to handle my money. How I ought to handle my family. How I ought to handle my faith. How I ought to handle forgiveness. How I, how I ought to handle you fill in the blank. I'm glad I don't have to wonder because I have the word of God. I'm thankful for the Bible. Thankful for the Bible. Why? Because it is the catalyst of my faith. I'm thankful for the Bible. Why? Because it provides a criteria for for my framework and how I live my life. But I'm thankful for the Bible. I want you to see one more this morning. Pick up in verse number 22. There the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his face in a glass. Like, like a man looking at himself in the mirror, the Bible is saying. For he beholdeth himself, he looks at himself in the mirror, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, 
He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Hey, church, I'm thankful for God's word, number one, because it is a catalyst for my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hey, preacher, I need to strengthen my faith. Get in the book. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Stop listening to people on YouTube talk about the Bible and get in the Bible. It is a catalyst for my faith. I'm thankful for God's word. Why? Because it provides the criteria for the framework in which I live my life. Hey, I've been wronged. I don't know what to do. Jesus says, forgive as you have been forgiven. Hey, God is blessed. I don't know what to do. Jesus says to be generous. Hey, life is hard. I don't know what to do. Jesus says, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Just get in close to God. His grace is sufficient. I don't have to wonder. I got a framework. But I'm thankful for the word of God finally this morning. Because God's word provides a conduit for his favor. If I want my life to be blessed, I go to this book. The analogy that's given in this passage of Scripture is the analogy of a Bible and a mirror. You know, when we're growing up, when we learn to use a mirror, we set ourselves up for good things. Now, since the Word of God is sufficient for our salvation, amen, and it is sufficient for our sanctification, amen, then why can't you and I receive it as sufficient for our spiritual success? Now, the analogy here is clear. You and I, we need help to see ourselves as we really are. You ever thought about this? Anatomically, I can see a lot of my body. But the part of my body that I cannot see, right here. Why? Because my eyes point out. And so I can't see me. Sometimes after service, I'll go back there and my tie's like over here. And I'm like, boy, I wish I'd have seen that. Wish somebody would have pointed it out. Now they're all laughing. You see preachers tie at lunch, everybody laughing, but I can't see me. I need help to see me as I really am. And so what do I do? In the morning I get up and I get a shower and I stand in the mirror. And it helps me see where I need to shave. And it helps me see how I need to brush the hair. And it helps me see how I need to brush the it helps me to see me as I am. Now here's the thing, spiritually, hold up, spiritually we need help to see ourselves as we really are too. I can't really see me all that clearly. Jeremiah puts it this way, Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs talks about how, how the way of man, there is a way of man that's right in his own eyes. You see, I'm good at thinking I look pretty good. But I need help to see me as I really am. And so God has provided his word to be a mirror to reveal ourselves to ourselves. 
to reveal what our heart is truly like, to reveal what our life is, is truly like. And the thing about a mirror is, is a, a, a careless glance that doesn't result in change will result in consequence. I guarantee you, if I had looked in the mirror this morning, said, eh, close enough, and had come to church as I was, you would have been concerned. If I had done it continually, you would probably be a little more than concerned. If I continued with a careless glance that resulted in no change, at some point it would result in a pretty dire consequence. And you'd be getting a new pastor. Why? Because a careless glance that doesn't result in change will result in consequence. It costs us. It costs us a lost opportunity. It costs us diminished growth. So here's the problem. So many of us read the Bible. So many of us listen to Bible messages. And we almost treat them as if they are medical releases. Or user agreements on the new app. We know they're there, and yeah, we had to go through the motion of scanning all the way down, but uh, then we just hit accept and we move on with our lives, never really giving any thought to what it actually said. One of my favorite examples of this is the eye doctor I used to go to. Jared, every time I went, they would wait until after they had dilated my eyes to bring me the insurance release forms. And I'd tell them every time, I'm like, you guys know this is dirty, right? Because I can't see any of it. Oh, it's just standard stuff. It's just standard stuff. It'll be okay. I'm like, if it's standard stuff, I could have signed it before you made my pupils this big. I had no idea what I was signing. I had no idea what we were doing. But so many of us are just like, yeah, okay. Sure, that sounds good, preacher. And then it doesn't, it doesn't change a thing when we walk out those doors. Maybe we get up and read our Bible, yeah, that sounds good, but it doesn't change a thing when we go to the factory or the office. Oh, a careless glance that doesn't result in change will result in consequence. You see the clear analogy that's given here, it calls us to committed action. One of the interesting things that I have found as a parent is I can gauge certain aspects of my kids' growth and maturity and how they use a mirror. I can see when certain aspects of self-awareness come into being. I can see, I can see how they are growing and their understanding is increasing by, by how they use a mirror. Looketh into here when, when James says that whoso looketh, verse 25, into the perfect law of liberty. It has the idea, not just of a careless glance, but it means to lean in for closer inspection. And so I am looking, I am leaning, I am studying, I am desirous. The idea of continueth therein is it, a present tense verb meaning to persevere in. In other words, the blessing comes not in hearing. But in doing, I'm thankful for the Bible. Here's the phrase because the Bible makes me blessable. The Bible makes us blessable. It is this book 
that provides the power and the promise of spiritual success. Joshua 1 in verse number 8, the Lord said unto Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. Hey, we're leaning in day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Psalm 1, the psalmist says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree. Who's like a tree? The man that loves and meditates on the word of God, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The Bible makes us blessable. Hey, preacher, I want my family to be blessed. And get your family aligned with the book. Hey, I want my finances to be blessed. And get your finances aligned with the book. Young people say, I, I want to grow up and, and I want to do what God's created me to do. And I want to marry the man or woman that, that God has for me. And, and I want God's will. Then get in the book. The Bible makes you blessable. Well, I tell you, the other end of that, church, you and I have no business asking for the favor of God apart from faithfulness to His Word. There are a whole lot of people hoping God blesses something that ain't blessable. I'm thankful because the Bible provides a conduit for God's favor and Every area of my life. Hey church, we've got a lot to be thankful for, amen? amen? Let's not forget to be thankful for the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. You know it. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. There's a second verse. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. It goes, I'll read and pray and then obey. The B-I-B-L-E. Isn't it funny how like you and I, we are prone to use every barometer of self-evaluation but the one God gave us. And I'm afraid... If we're not careful, neglect of God's word, it is a plague on God's people. Focus on the family, Dr. James Dobson. They did a, they did a survey where they asked pastors, how much time do they spend in the book? I was shocked. According to the survey, the average pastor, as surveyed by Focus on the Family, spends less than one hour a week in this book. Church. This book is essential to every area of life. And I hope that we understand this morning, and I pray that we see true thankfulness is not just expressed with our lips. That's a start. But true thankfulness is expressed with our lives.
The awesome thing about the message this morning is no matter where you are spiritually, your next step (laughs) comes with this book. You're here this morning and you're not saved. I got good news. Can I share with you from this book how God loves you and came for you and died for you and rose for you and wants to forgive your sins and adopt you into his family? It's in the book. You're here this morning and you're not saved. Hey, your next step is in the book. You're here this morning and you're away from God. You're you're struggling with sin. You know things aren't right. Hey, I got good news. Your next step, it's in the book. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's in the book. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. It's in the book. It's in the book. You're here this morning and you love the Lord and you just want to be closer and more like him. I got good news. It's in the book. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not the letter of the law. It is a letter of love. It's not a textbook, but a treasure chest of truth to reveal who God is and what he has done. Church, we're getting ready to move into a time of what we call invitation. And it is an invitation for you to respond as God has spoken to you. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, can I encourage you? Receive the good news from the Word of God and trust Christ today. You can come forward in the time of invitation. Come get my attention. We'll have someone take God's Word and show you how you can know for sure your sins are forgiven and you're a part of the family of God. Come receive the good news this morning to the sage this morning. Hey, let's be thankful for God's Word. Let's just not say it with our lips. Let's live it with our lives. Be thankful for God's Word and all that it teaches me and live our thankfulness to Him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I'm thankful for God's word. Standing together this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed.